Welcome back to the Balance Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. Thank you for listening to all of these best of the show episodes that I've been releasing for the last eight weeks so that I could take a nice digital detox and take a real break for once. As an entrepreneur, it's not something that we do very often but I've been really sick with Lyme disease and many other things. And if you listen to the show closely, then you already know these things. But if you're new, hi, and this is the final episode of our eight best of the show episodes that I've curated for this time of me being away. So soon I'll be back with some new stuff and to tell you all about how my digital detox went. I'm recording all these intros in advance, so I would tell you now if I could, but I truly don't know yet whether the digital detox was epic or if it was hard or what, but I literally just can't wait to tell you guys. Um, I love reporting back to all of y'all and I chose today's episode with Biet Simkin as one of the best of show because not only is it just about a year ago that it came out for the first time, but it was a favorite of mine and a favorite of many of yours. Biet is someone who really opened my eyes to a lot that lies beyond the surface and she's just a really deep, deep individual who does some very interesting things. I still don't know how I would 100% describe her. She has a beautiful singing voice. She is a meditation teacher. She is just a spiritual guide. We talk about planetary enneagrams and now Biet has a daughter and she's married. So that's a really cool thing that has blossomed in her life, two things, since we had this original conversation. She's become a dear friend and I really admire her and she's a favorite for so many reasons. So I feel like it's very fitting to have her on as the final best of the show series. And I think I'll be back next week with a new episode. It's really hard for me to know, to know this far in advance what's going on. Because I committed to having no no rules for myself on this digital detox, like no rules that I would hard and fast come back at a certain date. But something tells me I won't be able to stay away from you guys on the podcast because I love it so much and I love you guys so much. So I'm sure you'll see me back next week with some kind of update that is totally new and... um post detox. So we'll see. Uh, Biet, thanks for coming on last year so that we could use this episode today. If you guys haven't listened to her before, I think you'll really enjoy. And if you have, maybe you'll learn something new. I feel like if you're listening, you're here for a reason. So maybe something will strike you that didn't strike you the first time. And Before we dive in, would love to thank our sponsor for today's show, Silver Fern Probiotic. So Silver Fern brand is more than just a probiotic. It is a digestive enzyme. It is a plant-based vegan protein powder. They have whole food multivitamins. They have kids vitamins. Um, The list goes on. I had the founder and chief nutritionist and CEO, yes, she wears a lot of hats, Charity Lighten on the podcast back on episode 106, so not that long ago. If you want to go listen to our chat all about gut health, the microbiome, 
nutrition, probiotics, and how she helps her husband battle stage four colon cancer and her outlook on all of that, which is refreshing and will make you feel really refreshed about your own life. I can promise that. Um, She's a mother of four. She lives in Utah, which is where Silver Fern was founded, where their offices are. Everybody who works at the company is so nice and so kind. And that really goes such a long way with me. I love working with them. So the reason why Silver Fern is so healing to the gut and why it's better, in my opinion, and just scientifically proven than other probiotics on the market is because it's proven to have 100% survivability in the gut, which means when you take a probiotic, a lot of the time it hits your stomach and it dies or it's dead before it gets there. Um, Silver fern is made in a way that that doesn't happen. It survives when it hits your gut and it's DNA verified. It's pharmaceutical grade. Um, It will help so much with digestion, skin, metabolism, endurance, et cetera. The gut microbiome is connected to absolutely everything. Um, This brand is totally superior quality, non-GMO, natural, artificial free, everything good. Um, I love their ultimate probiotic. I take it with every meal. That's just me. Some people take it once a day. Some people take it twice a day. I also love their plant-based protein powder, the chocolate one I use every day. They have a prebiotic fiber that I really like. And a prebiotic sweetener, which is a really cool thing. And they also have probiotic drink mixes that taste like Hawaii to me, at least maybe because I drank them in Hawaii, but they do taste really tropical. So head to silverfernbrand.com, use the code blonde and get a nice big discount. Thank you to them for sponsoring. And let's head into this episode with Biet. Yay. Okay, guys, I'm sitting here with someone really amazing and fascinating, Viet Simpkin. She is an expert in so many things as I've begun to learn through learning about her from Shaman Durek, who so many of you listening fell in love with on the podcast and anywhere you've ever seen him because he's just the most special. I couldn't even call him a human. He's just like above and beyond. He's really close with Biet. He told me I had to meet her and we've had this date on the calendar for a long time to meet in New York because when I can, meeting people in person for the podcast is my favorite. So here we are. She is... Hi. 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 Um, She's the founder of Center of the Cyclone, which is a immersive experience of meditation, art, fashion, lots of things. She'll tell us everything. She's a amazing singer. I heard your music. Thank you. I have been stalking you since before (laughs) you arrived today. And yeah, I mean, we're just going to go into so many things. So why don't you just say hi to our Soul on Fire tribe and tell them a little bit about you? Sure. Well, hello, Soul on Fire. To tell you a bit about me, where should I start? That's a really good question. I usually like to have people start with not what you do, because we will talk about that. What do you like to do? And kind of like, you live here in New York. What's mm. your day-to-day like? Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, so 
I live in New York City, but I travel the world a lot. I get flown all over to guide these meditation experiences and score them. So that's like part of where I'm... That's cool. It's so fun. Um, I have a fiance who I'm obsessed with, or I shouldn't say obsessed with because that wouldn't work probably. I'm just in love with him. His name is Christoph. And then I have a cat. Me too. Hello. Oh my God. The best boy or girl. It's a boy. He's a Persian. Oh my God. His name is Mukti. Love. What's your cat? Hudson. He's a boy. Nice. He's a tabby cat. He's gray and white. He's my child. I love cats. I'm a fan. Yeah. I just go crazy. Uh, in terms of I love community like I love my best friends I love to search for the meaning of life and to excavate what's standing between me and bliss and to constantly find it and then to share it with others to like you know to walk around New York City too is like a very magical place so if you want to manifest some shit like all you need to do is really be in New York City because within minutes, the person you just meditated on materializes in front of you or like within seconds, like the thing you just thought of happens or it's just so fast here. It's a, it's a, it's a dirty, dark, crazy city. So like one might wonder, like, why would anyone live here? But the truth is, is that it's a, it's a bubble of evidence that the matrix is not real. You know, if you want to, if you want to prove that this shit's not real, come here for a minute. Oh, true. I love that you're saying all that because being here, I used to live here for a year and every time I come home, it feels like home and being here just wakes me up in this whole new way that is so indescribable Mm. to people who haven't spent the time here or who haven't given it a chance or might just, I don't know not know, but New York is alive and the manifesting that happens here is unbelievable. So this is your home. That's so amazing. And do you live in the city? Do you live in Brooklyn? I live in Williamsburg. It's very predictable. Uh, Yeah. I was going to say, I I just figured maybe probably because of Ruby too. We're like a Um, block from from each other. So cool. And everyone listening, Ruby Warrington, who was here like two hours ago, co-founded the Club Soda Sober Curious events with Fiat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that speaks to my heart, my life, my very sober, curious past few years, which have basically just turned into being sober. And how cool that two super amazing, fun, young women are hosting this event series because usually at least in my circles, you don't find that very often. Most people that I'm surrounded with love to drink. So I'm just inspired by Your circles that. might be shifting sometimes. Well, they have. We I shall should see, say yeah. that's one circle. That's like the people who I've known for a really long time who I love very dearly. And then I've met so many people in my more kind of awakened time and yeah. just trying to elevate them all with me. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So you do so many things and we were talking about it before the podcast started. I was just picking your brain about all of the things that I want to learn from you. I feel like everyone can gain so much from you while you're here with us. What I'm so intrigued in to begin with is your story, your journey to where you are now. You've had a lot of trauma and heartache. Yeah. 
So for those who don't know your story, walk us through your childhood and your father, the awakened shaman and all of that. Yeah, sure. You got it. Um, so I've got a, a crazy story. My um, father was this awakened shaman and um, growing up, that would be like a story in and of itself. Like if you just grew up with like Eckhart Tolle as your dad, uh, like a womanizing Eckhart Tolle, which because I don't think he has that problem, but my dad did. Um, oh my so, gosh. Totally. Um, so then he was this awakened shaman and like cured himself of tuberculosis in the woods of Russia, escaped communism with my entire family. And they came here. I was born a month later. I'm born and raised in New York City. And which is why I basically tear everyone a new asshole every time I meet them, because I believe that, you know, you want to tell it like it is. Yeah. And um, came here that, or it's probably my planetary type, which we'll get to yes. later, but um, came here. Everyone died one by one, starting with uh, my grandfather, then my mom when I was almost seven which is enough. Like if that was all that happened, it would probably be an, it just made everything so depressing. And for anyone who's listening, who is depressed, has ever been depressed, like I am here to tell you depression is not what you think it is. It's a gateway to the absolute bliss of your life. If you can just be tolerant enough to sit with it and to ask it what it came here to give you, right? Which we were talking about earlier. That's amazing. As well. And then um, I did music my whole life. Got signed to Sony when I was 18. Uh, limos, money, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, they dropped the record. And I shaved my head and toured the country by myself with a book bag, falling in love in every state that I hit, of course, living in mansions, of course, even though like of I course. had no money and, you know, born and raised very poor because uh, again, my whole family died. So, we, and my dad was not just an awakened shaman, but an awakened shaman who just really did not care about money. He was just like, I don't care. And he would just like, but, you know, kind of waddle around in his robe talking about how he didn't care. Got signed, got hooked on heroin, cocaine, like, you know, kind of fashion, became a DJ, all that stuff. And in the midst of that, got pregnant um, and then got sober. To, well, I would say I got dry to have this beautiful daughter of mine. And dry is very different from sober for anyone listening who's like, I don't drink. It's like, I didn't drink, but I wasn't like, yay, yeah. I'm so happy. Like I was like, fuck, I really didn't know what I was doing. And then she died of sudden infant death syndrome when she was four months old, which I'm sure you read about when you... I did, yeah. yeah. It's so... I mean, your story is so captivating to me. And when Thanks. I was listening to you on the Almost 30 podcast and you got to the part about having a daughter. My first thought was, oh my God, I didn't know she had a daughter. I can't believe it. She's coming to see me at like 5.30 PM. I'm going to have to ask her like if, you know, does she have a young daughter? And then, and then two seconds later, wow. you continued the story. And of course my heart broke for you. Thanks. Um, what was her name? Ula. That's so beautiful. Thank you. So beautiful. Well, it does make me tear up just because I know you've gotten through it and you're so strong and Thanks. I know your outlook is is so that everything has something to teach us and the depression you were in, I'm sure, brought you to this amazingly awakened state now, but it still makes me tear up because some things are just really sad, but yeah. It, no, it's so amazing. sad. And it, but it's so important because nobody who's listening to this right now hasn't had pain. Like you, you can't, you're not like everyone gets a, a, a nice dose. 
you know, and I think people can relate, even though not everyone has had a daughter die from sudden infant death. I think in a way I feel so blessed because when I say that out loud, like people, I do this all over the world with hundreds of people in the audience and corporations and like these people in suits sitting there and they're like, their mouths drop. And I think there's something that they're feeling at that moment that has nothing to do with me. It has to do with them not being able to comprehend how anyone could withstand that much pain. And then it reminds them that what about all the pain that they've withstood and how about all the pain that they're currently withstanding? Or I don't know if that's a word, but like, you know, just tolerating, you know, and how can we reimagine what that pain is there for rather than be so convinced that we know that we're victims of something so terrible? Oh, it's so true. It brings up so much and shifting that perspective, which is so much about what you teach is so important. Just being here on this planet and going through everything that we go through, whether it be highly traumatic and devastating or just generally very difficult in the day-to-day life that so many people live. Is that something, everything that you went through? Do you feel that experiencing such pain at such a young age, losing your mother and then into your early adulthood as well. Is that something that was a catalyst for you to find this awakened life where you do all the things you do now? You teach meditation and you're just this living, breathing example of someone who knows exactly who they are, which is so beautiful. Yeah, it was a part of it. But I don't think that everyone needs that much pain, you know? And for me that it didn't end there. My daughter died and I went back to being a drug addict because it was so painful. I didn't know how else to cope. And that was heroin, cocaine for another few years. And then my best friend hung himself and then my house burnt down. And then I lived in the half of the house that hadn't burnt down waiting for them to come fix it. While like Julio, my drug dealer, like came and brought me more heroin. And then my father died. And my father was like, everything to me. So I was just kind of like, I didn't even, I was like, uh, I was hurtling towards like possibly thinking about becoming a prostitute at that point. Cause I just didn't, I didn't even know how to like live, but something in me was too pious for that. Like, I just was like, I don't think I can do that for a living, which I guess is a blessing. Um, and so then I like, crawled into sobriety and that was nine years ago. I got sober nine years ago and it was that choice. I don't think I made a choice really. I think I like didn't have any other choice if that makes sense. Cause I remember when I heard about sobriety, I was just like, like tilted my head to the left and I was like, um, do you mean like never drink again? Like I was like, why? Like that's so extreme. You know, I didn't understand that you have to make extreme choices if you want to have extreme results. And also like, it seemed so, I had been raised by again, like this awakened shaman who was like, what you do on the outside is very malleable. We must look to enlightenment. And so like, I knew all about the enlightened state. I'd been transcending reality, meditating for 12 hours straight. You know, I'm not going to say I levitated, but you know, things happened, you know, weird things like magical shit my whole life. But the thing that I didn't have contact with was life. Like I just, life was so elusive to me. I didn't know how to make money. I didn't know how to like keep relationships. I hadn't, you know, couldn't keep a boyfriend for longer than a year. You know, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I had terrible, I just had a terrible, my life was falling apart. 
And so then I had to ask myself, like, is it really spirituality if it doesn't affect the three-dimensional space? And the answer that I came up with was no, it isn't. Like it's not spiritual. It, just because you have altered states of consciousness and just because you have this heightened emotional process and talents that flow through you and your heart aches and people want to be around you because you emanate this magic, that's not enough. You actually need to figure out how to like balance a checkbook. You need to learn how to like, you know, stay grounded in reality, feed yourself different, like super simple things. That's so true. And I think it's so easy to start thinking once you start experiencing these altered states of consciousness and having visions and feeling light pouring out of your pores and just like feeling all those things that that some of those spiritual experiences can give to us. It's so different than incorporating it into our lives and being that person and kind of walking around with our feet on the ground and living life at the same time, which yeah. I have struggled with. I've <laughs> sobbed about to my boyfriend at times, like, why can't I just be in both places at once? That was just like words that kept you coming like out of my mouth one time. Grounded. Yeah. You can. Um yeah. <laughs> thank you. I, I'm learning, like I can definitely learn tips from you because I I'm just trying to do that now Amen. for me it was always like one or the other one or the other and then very depressed to be like here because I knew there was so much more and then there like no I mean this will make no sense to some people but when I would make contact that way like oh there's so much more okay let me bring this to my life and the blending the two was really interesting so how did you go about doing that it comes from uh, dropping a judgment about the pl the planet. So like for me, as someone who grew up with this enlightened father and, you know, transcending these states, studying the Kabbalah, studying mysticism, studying all the types of meditation before the age of 10, you know, I had such a deep contact with that realm, the one that you're describing, the light. And so I had a lot of disdain and judgment about the world, the pooping and the whatever, all the icky like shame and guilt and worry and anxiety and depression and sadness and jealousy and envy and oh, compare and despair, like you name it. Those things, which by the way, I've experienced every single one of those emotions and or states, I frowned upon and I was very dismissive of like, oh no, that Biet does not feel those things. And this holier-than-thou superiority complex kept me from integrating those two worlds. And so, like you, I would go to the light and bask in it and be like, I'm so amazing. And then I would return and then I had to isolate because I didn't want anyone to see me when I wasn't fully, you know, whatever, in some kind of blissed out state. And so what I realized was that I was going to have to show people my fucking dirty laundry if I was going to live on this planet. Like, this planet had me, I was going to have to be alone if I wanted to do this thing where I was faking half, like half the time I really was the light. Like that wasn't a lie. Just like, you know, when you're really emanating that light and sourcing it because you're solar and you're having like literal sunshine pour through your veins, it's like, uh, and you're like electric. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that feels so good. And it's totally true. I wasn't being inauthentic, but how about the other side of me? And so the more I started sharing the other side of me and really like 
I started shocking people, you know, because I think people regard me as this like guru and all this. So like when I would say, oh, I feel afraid of this or I'm terrified of that or I'm, I was depressed earlier today because I thought of that. And I'll like finish the sentence with some like cringeworthy shit. People would just shudder because they were like, whoa, did she just say that out loud? And there's this level of intimacy that I was just willing to go to. And then that closed the gap because as soon as I shared vulnerably about my disgustingness and the things that I thought were too vile to even be with, then it was like, well, if I can be with this, then maybe you can be with this. And it was like, I opened up the door to be truly loved. And then of course, in, in turn to truly love. Like it was more loving for me to share that side of myself than it would be to be like, oh, I don't feel those things, you know? Yes. I mean, that's true. There's something to be said for showing who we are in all facets and just that radical authenticity that people can be so afraid of to show yeah. those parts of themselves. And I totally relate to getting so much feeling so much peace from total vulnerability and just sharing all of the harder aspects of life and the way that I feel. That's true because I've never thought of that as a way of bridging the gap, but that's, that's really true. And I'm sure people regarding you as this guru who's just enlightened and their teacher would feel that way for sure. And I can feel guilt about that sometimes too, for being the light, wanting to be the light, being the light for a lot of people and then having very off days. And then it's just <laughs> ego. It's right. like, so what? Like, yeah. and you, you don't know like how much of an opportunity you create for people when you show them you know, like I once had to do a drawing, a friend of mine had me do a drawing of my light side and my dark side. Mm -hmm. She had like a, a, piece, a piece of paper and I just drew like, you know, the sunshine and the peace signs and whatever to illustrate because it's a drawing, like what yeah. the fuck are you draw? Because I drew the light side and then the dark side was like these like dirty, dark colored tendrils that looked sort of like octopi, like that were just like sticky and you could get tied in them very easily. Very like a horror movie, you know? Mm -hmm. And... And then we looked at it together and it dawned on me that like, this is what makes me beautiful, like all of it. And why am I so busying myself trying to tell people I'm just this other stuff when really this is so good. Like if it wasn't for this stuff that we wouldn't have Mozart's Requiem, we just wouldn't, you know, and I love Mozart's yeah. Requiem, you know. Oh, it's so true. I know the darkness is really so beautiful and I am grateful for my darkness. And as we were talking about before we recorded, very grateful for my rashes and health issues right now because it is just my body speaking to me and it gives us so much more access to who we are and so much more depth. So when you said that I'm solar, um, that's something I really want to get into, as you know, the planetary Enneagram system, the work that you teach, which as you've explained to me, super in-depth and very one-on-one -on -one or workshop style, but something that you could share a taste of sure. with us today. And um, so for everyone listening, kind of just tell us how you have been studying this work thanks to your father for your whole life, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and what it is. 
Sure. Yeah. So my father was a teacher of a thing called the fourth way. And the fourth way is meant to be a fourth uh, fashion of reaching enlightenment, which doesn't have you exit the world. It's the way of the householder, right? So fourth way isn't the way of the yogi. It's not the way of the monk. Like it's not meant to, you don't have to relinquish your belongings. You don't have to relinquish desire. You don't have to not buy real estate, have a family and shop at Barney's. Like those are all things that can be included in. You can even be, you, you can re- even be famous. You can be anything and be doing this work and seeking enlightenment. And there's very few people who study this work. It's a very small niche thing, but, you know, I'm bringing it to the world in this completely new way, you know, because it is really all about the rapper. And I, a human being is a rapper, like our perception. When you perceive something so differently, to me, I've studied this work my whole life and I don't think it should be proprietary to only a few people. So sharing it in this new in this new way that's much more accessible. And so inside of this work, there's this idea that there's um, laws that we live under, that these laws actually prevent us from our enlightenment. And so when you start meditating, which a lot of people teach meditation and they're like, you just sit here and like breathe in. And I mean, I don't know who these people are. They probably just started meditating like a few months ago, but sadly they're totally. going around teaching meditation. But if you listen to them, that there's like this... And then you breathe and then like, you're just going to feel like a lotus flower and like whatever, you know, the, the, that hippy dippy kind of like unrelatable sensation. Like I used to listen to people like that, say that to me. And I was like, what, who are they speaking? Like I used to like look around the room. I was like, who are they speaking to? Like they can't possibly be talking. To- I don't feel like a fucking lotus flower. I'm like, a, I'm like a dick, you know, like I'm basically an asshole. Like talk to me, you know, talk to the talk to this, you know, this fucking, I don't know what's going on. I'm hurtling through space. I'm going to die. Talk to me, you know, like I, I'm scared. And then these meditations are like, just breathe. And I was just like, this is some bullshit. Like I need to do something and help the world. And that's when I created Center of the Cyclone. But in that, these 44 laws, what I help people to understand is that these laws will hit you in the face when you start meditating. So basically like your meditation practice is just an entry point to recognizing that there's 44 laws working against you. And these laws are outlined in my book, which we'll talk about later. But one of them is the planetary Enneagram. Just one, one of the 44 laws. I can't believe it's just one because to me, that's like, are all of the laws that complex? Mm -mm. No. I mean, they are all complex in the sense that if you took my book, and you used it as a workshop tool for the rest of your life. Like if you and a group of men and women gathered every week and studied just one law at a time, you could do that for the rest of your life and still learn new things on year 50. Like it's not, it's endless because you change. The law stays the same, but the way it's of fucking your life up changes because you're like, well, it's only fucking, oh, oh, and then on certain weeks, you're like, I've mastered this. And then you're sharing and the group is like, oh my God, she's mastered it. And the next week it's like, I'm not mastering it anymore. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so excited for this book to come out. Thanks. I want to host local workshops about this. That sounds amazing. So that's one of the laws. So it's one of the laws, planetary Enneagram. And the planetary Enneagram basically suggests that, that, as our soul is moving, this is all very esoteric and like, I can't prove this part. So you're going to have to like trip out, 
on like the LSD of your mind to grasp it. But the idea is that as your soul is moving its way into your little baby body, um, it's moving through space. And as it moves past the planets and your glands are being formed inside of your body, certain glands get activated by certain planets. Not to mention that your body and these, what some people call a chakra system, you can just look at it as a glandular system, which is we really do have seven glands in our body mm-hmm. um, currently that are working. And those glands are supposedly tied, each one of them, to a different planet. So each planet is activating in a certain way. So if you have a certain gland that's more active in your body, you're going to have certain characteristics that are similar to that planet. Mm-hmm. And so the solar type is actually the thymus gland, which is um, hidden behind the heart. And the solar is not even a type, it's an overlay. So would it imagine that if like each one was an ice cream flavor, then solar means like you got sprinkles, right? So like you're, you're not just vanilla, like you're vanilla with sprinkles. And so when you're solar, um, it's basically the story of the ugly duckling. You know the story of the ugly duckling? Yes. Yeah. So it's like this little ducky and it looks different than the other duckies. It's gray and it's like floating along and it feels so sad. It doesn't fit in. It feels so lonely. It doesn't, everyone makes fun of it. They're like, you don't fucking look like us. Mm-hmm. And the solar usually, in, in, in you know, incurs that, you know, it feels like that's how it feels in the world. Sort of alone. Something's left ajar with the solars. The solars feel something is more, something more is happening here. They don't know what it is. And many of them are led to then pursue buffers for that, whether it be sex, drugs, cookies, whatever, to kind of just tolerate the, it's so much sensitivity. But really what they're experiencing is like, they're slightly more ajar to hydrogens of the sun. So like the sunlight. Okay. So solar's like, you know how most people Like, you know how when you look up at the sun, you're like, wow, this is so majestic and beautiful. So solars have that quality. So like when a solar walks in the room, like they're kind of like the most beautiful and the most glittery person in the room. They have a lot of magnetic force to them. And so what happens with the solar is that as they grow older, they recognize, oh, like, oh, I'm not a duck. Like, I really am a swan. And then there's that whole confusion. Then you got to figure out what being a swan even means and um, all that comes with that. So some of the features of being a solar mean some of the downfalls are that you're more naive than regular people. Uh, You're more optimistic, which means you're more entrepreneurially minded. You're you're like welcome to do huge ideas that anyone else in their right mind would think would fail. But a solar is like, it'll be great. Just watch. And like solars are like, you know, and so because of that, a lot of times solars die young. A lot of times solars burn out because they're wrong. Like the world is actually a very harsh place. In other instances, it's been said in the work that I teach that solars have a lot more support from the external forces, right? So solars, because they're so naive and gullible and kind of like to, to and the most attractive, which leads them to more often be you know, harassed by men and, you know, maybe raped and, you know, they're they're prey to a lot more dangers. Although I have like, as a solar myself, like I can say, like I have gotten out of quite a few potential rape situations that like I should have been raped. You know what I mean? But I just like somehow miraculously kicked the guy in the balls and like held a pen to his eye and was like, fuck you. And like made it out, you know? Yeah. And that's a very typical solar thing too. It's like this... 
There's something on your side. Yeah, there's something on your side. Exactly. So if you can make it through without dying at 27, like Kurt Cobain or Amy Winehouse or Nick Drake or all the other people that die around that. I'm 27. Oh, well, you're not going to die. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, But Janis Joplin, like these people who like burned out, they were solars. You know, Michael Jackson's solar. He lived till longer, Mm -hmm. but super, super, super solar. And Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, like people who are just like on the edge. If you can take that unicorn and ground that motherfucking unicorn, you can have a life beyond your wildest dreams. And as a solar, because you're willing to go to places no one else is willing to go to and you're willing to take risks no one else is willing to take because you have this intuition that things are going to work out for you, Um, you know, and you're going to have better sex than everyone else and you're going to look hotter doing it. So it's really like a win-win if you can make it, which you will. Oh my goodness. Right? So solar is kind of like the sprinkles on top of the rest of the planetary constitution. And there's six others. So there's like, there's Mercurial, Saturn, um, Marshall, Jovial, which is Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And then there's Venusian, which is Venus and Lunar, which is the moon. I think that's all of them. So they can work together. And then it's like facets of each planet within you. No, each person uh, rep is usually governed by one or two planets. Oh, got it. Got so it. like I would be very, I have a lot of mercurial in me, which means that I'm tiny. It means that I'm a smooth talker. It means that I tell a mean story. And it means <laughs> that I'm kind of criminally minded in the sense that I don't have the same moral compass that someone would if they were Marshall, which uh-huh. is Mars. And that would mean like they're more like right and this is right and that's wrong you know people like that who are like they're great at managing things that is not me not me either not a rule follower me neither (laughs) i'm more of a breaker right like such a rule breaker exactly Mm -hmm. wow this is so fascinating so when you said that this is kind of similar to the type of teaching that like vedic astrologers or doctors would be taught by their teachers that is fascinating too. And that reminds me, my Ayurvedic doctor, who's just like next level, she's amazing. Um, Marta at Surya Spa in LA. She's just insane. Um, She just a couple of days ago told me to talk to this Vedic astrologer to see which day of the week I should be water fasting. She wants me to water fast once a week for lots of different health issues that I have. But depending on talking to this Vedic astrologer, um, I will water fast on a different day, depending by what he says. So either a Monday for the moon or a Tuesday for Mars or something. And she started saying this and I was like, what? This is a whole wide open space of something I don't know about at all. And how cool. Yeah. So I haven't talked to the person yet, but it makes sense to me that all of the, that this could align because I was pretty unsure of what she meant by planet. So I'm governed by a planet and that's messing up my stomach. Like, I mean, how interesting is all oh, well, of that? Well, I was telling you earlier that you're probably a lunar, right? And so that lunars have the worst problems with their stomach. I have got to be a lunar. I must be. Yeah, because they're governed by their pa- their pancreas is their 
predominant gland. Uh, so just like mercurials, which is my type, are, are governed by their um, thyroid gland. Um, and that makes us speedy and fast and quick talkers, all that. Lunars are governed by their pancreas. And so pancreas means that you're going to have tons of digestion issues. It means that you're going to be smaller in size in the sense that you, you'll almost be like not fully formed. Lunars are almost like aliens and that they're not like strong. They're like very de delicate creatures. Very yeah, I do feel more alien than yeah. human. Yeah. I totally do. But that's in the so solar, many ways. More than well, anything, yeah, that's but, more yeah. solar. <laughs> but like David Bowie is a quintessential lunar solar, right? Mm -hmm. So then you get this type that's like super dainty, but also like loves to be the center of attention, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, it is similar. And it's called in, in uh, uh, the Vedas, it's called the doshas. So it's different right. in that Exactly. Way. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Oh my gosh, this stuff is amazing. It is amazing. So this is your work. This is what you share with your clients. Yes. So if someone were to come to you for your work, like just yeah. hire you, um, I know that there's a lot of different services that you offer, yeah. but do people, is this something that you kind of bring out and teach people who come to you for meditation or is this by special request, like another type of work or... Or what? Yeah. So if I was doing it publicly, like if a, if, a, if a brand or a company brings me in to do a workshop, then I would do that inside of it. Um, but if I'm doing something privately with someone one-on-one, -on -one, it's not something they need to request. It's just a matter of like, if I'm working with you, I'm going to tear you a new asshole mm -hmm. because you need to wake the fuck up. And this is going to be part of the way I explain to you what's going to work best for you. Now I take people on just even starting on a six-month process. And then it usually people stay long with me like a year at least and so during that time eventually it's going to come up like what's your body type you know but it's not something that uh specifically people are like can you do you know what i mean yeah for sure there's so much more yeah you know? i mean it's one law yeah it's just one <laughs> law exactly it's like well here's the way that's fucking up your life you know right so learning all of that about yourself do you feel that that really helped shape your knowing of who you are. 100%. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of tolerance. Like when I was younger, I had this real, you know, jealousy. I don't know if you can relate with people who were different from me. So like when I saw someone who was very quiet and demure and like sort of like aloof, I, I really felt envy. Like I wanted to be like that. I was like, why can't I be aloof? I've never been aloof in my fucking life. You totally. know, I'm so grounded in like, I know what I want. I'm such a go-getter. I'm so, I'm very competitive. And all these I saw as huge weaknesses and I was very ashamed of them. And when I learned about the types, I saw that I was a merc and I was like, oh my God, like what a beautiful little type. Like it's, that's me. And once I saw that it was me, I could fall in love with her and not be so trying to change her into something that she's not. Instead, embrace who I truly am. Yeah. You know? That's so beautiful. That's what it's all about is just embracing who we really are. And I feel like I'm, I might have thought that I had been doing that in the past, but only more recently mm. do I feel like I really am beginning to. And it's the most amazing feeling. It makes everything easy in life. Yeah. Like things that used to cause me some stress, even though I liked doing them, like public speaking and teaching big workshops and things, just the stress 
is gone because I just have to be myself. That's all. Right. And yeah, I mean, I have bad days. That wouldn't be a great day to be on a stage or anything, but on... Or maybe it would be. Yeah, or maybe it would be. And maybe that's just part of embracing all of it. So, I mean, that's so cool that that's the work that you do. And what uh, does your book obviously has a title and can you talk about the title? I can't, I mean, I can, or I think, I think I can, um, because to me, this title is so dear to my heart. I love it so much, but it's called don't just sit there. And it's the 44 laws uh, or 44 insights to get you off your meditation cushion, get your meditation practice off the cushion and into the real world. Love it. And when does it come out? Um, it's slated to come out um, in the fall of 2018, but we're not certain yet. So like I'm just, we just handed it in to the editor. And so now she's reviewing it for the first time. So we'll see how mm-hmm. long that next process takes. And then, you know, it'll come out when the universe yeah. thinks it's time to birth this baby. For sure. Mm-hmm. When the perfect time is right. I'm so excited about it. Thanks. So tell us a little more about your style of meditation, because I know it's really different from Mm. the kind that you were talking about, which is very just like (laughs) sit there and breathe and envision yourself in a field full of daffodils. And I can only imagine that you you have your own flavor a lot. So tell us what people can expect for from a meditation with you um my meditations are more like an art installation like they're not just meditations although i would argue that you know um real artists are great gurus right like they're real teachers like think about how much you've experienced from listening to a song by your favorite musical artist or think about how much you've been moved by looking at a van gogh Right. So when I started the system, I started doing it in art galleries. Later, I've done it in museums. And, you know, I always score it with my own music. I have a record that's out on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. And so I blast the record. And then um, first I take people through some intense breathing exercises to open up uh, the bliss centers in their body and to get them connected to who they actually are. And then I pair them off into this ancient Sufi eye gazing experience and inside of that blast my music so you have to sit there and gaze through an entire song and half the audience starts weeping I mean it's a very intense experience because my aim originally when starting this was to fuse the worlds of art experience music experience fashion experience and meditation because like I would go to concerts like Radiohead or something and there'd be like people smashing Budweiser cans to the left of me and to the right of me at these concerts and I was like how is this in any way a humane way to experience Radiohead like it's just inhumane and same with art. Like I would go to museums, but there wasn't someone there to say, we're going to sit here and we're going to sit here longer than is comfortable. And we're going to go into a heightened state. And then maybe you'll see what this artist really created. Instead, you walk in, you shuffle about, you barely see anything at all. And then you go get a hot dog. It's like, that's not a fucking experience. And so I was like, spiritual teachers need to be involved in the process of perceiving these things and in terms of fashion like I'm creating a meditation fashion show that's never been done before whoa that sounds not my own clothes I'm not a designer but I'll be wearing the line and we'll be doing a meditation in that 
place. And I mean, fine. it's like it gets you into a place where you can really see the fucking clothes. It's like, and why in the world also, like I used to say to people like, what is your brand? I was like, my brand is like a temple in India meets Versailles, <laughs> you know, because it's like all the vanity and all the ooh, gauche, like, look at this fabulous, what was that a $4,000 kimono or whatever? It's like, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and here's who it's made by. And now ohm. You know, and bringing people Amazing. to the other side while you're, do you can do it all. Like who said you can't be on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine and be, you know, awake. Right. Oh my gosh. This is just speaking to my soul. I love all of it <laughs> so much. Well, I like to speak to your soul while I speak to your vagina. You know, I like to, <laughs> we like to have several conversations. Exactly. <laughs> to bring it all, link it all together. The soul with the body. Exactly. Is, is this a workshop that you do? Like you travel and yes. teach these in different cities? Oh, it's not like a tour or anything. It's more like people invite me. So oh, like the, I partnered with the one hotel um, about a year ago. So we did things together. I've been brought on by Wanderlust, Summit Series, you know, Mind Body Green Festival. I mean, the list just goes on and on of companies, brands and yes. festivals that have brought me in to do these experiences. Basically, I was asking because I want to come to one come. and I'm sure people listening do too. So. Well, there's one happening in February. I don't know when you're releasing this, but there's one happening in February called Yafield yeah Trip. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be doing a mass meditation there and that's in Santa Barbara, February 22nd to the 26th. Cool. Yeah. Well, this will be out before then. Oh, so whoa. everybody listening, if they're nearby, they can yeah. check it out. Yeah. Um, that's so And they can use cool. my code. I have a code for a hundred bucks off if they oh, want it. Oh, what yeah. is the code? It's guided by Biet. Perfect. Yeah, one so word. We can put that in the show notes and cool. link to it. Yeah. That's so amazing. Then you um, should come. We'll, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we yeah. will because cool. I live so close and mm -hmm. I will be around. So that is perfect. Yeah, it's like camping in the woods, glamping, like like workshops and I'll be doing, oh a, God, I'll be doing a workshop fun. on love and, and I'll do a mass meditation as well. Yeah, because yeah. something else that you... I saw on your website, the services was a relationship coach in yep. a way. So how does that process go for you? I take people through a really rigorous process of seeing how they've been in previous relationships so they can stop being that way. A lot of people are under the delusion that people suck or that men suck or that women suck or that men are this way or that women are that way or whatever. And it's a bunch of bullshit. Like I, I show people exactly how they are the ones who are creating all the problems in their life. And I help them to never do it again. I've taken people from literally dating homeless people to like marrying like the most incredible, like awesome, whatever. That's not even an exaggeration. Like I literally had a client who was dating a homeless guy. Oh my God. <laughs> and then she was just like, well, I don't know what's going on. I just don't know. And then I was like, I took her through the process and it's a very specific process. It's the same every time. And everyone has a very similar awakening around this stuff. So that's something that I do for many of my clients. You know, some of them, my clients don't have that problem, but if you have right. that problem, we fix it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so interesting. So in terms of your intuition and kind of like gifts, like, I don't know, like psychic gifts or anything when you're working with clients, does anything like that arise? Mm. I wouldn't use the word psychic to describe me, but I know people like really, really know them. Mm -hmm. And 
I've always been able to see people completely. And I think it comes also from just seeing myself because we're all very much the same. So the, I'm very rigorously honest with myself and I'm in integrity. So I can tell when someone's not. Like, I'm just like, I can sniff you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So do you ever get like messages like from your father, for example, mm-hmm. or your mom or anything like that? I don't. I don't get messages. I just, I have a deep knowing that happens to me. I mean, I've had so many instances, you know, like I had a near death experience where when I was 24, I like, I came home every night and I was like, I think, I don't know if you know this story. No. So I came home every night and I was like, I feel like I'm dying. Like I, and I don't, I don't hallucinate. Like I said, I'm not psychics. I don't normally have auditory, like nothing. So I was just like, what is going on? And this voice was like, you're, you're going to die. You're dying, whatever. Right. And so, and I even saw some kind of like wispy characters in my room. Like it just looked so creepy. I don't know what was going on. And after about a week of this, I sat up in my bed and I was like, what are you? And what, what are you doing here? And am I dying? And the voice, then a voice, I have like a voice that speaks to me very clearly. I think similarly to like when I read Neil Donald Walsh, I'm like, I think we have a similar situation. It's not the voice of my father or my mother, but it's a voice from within. And this voice said to me, yes, you're dying. And I was like, okay, like, can I do something about that? Like, what should I do? And the voice was like, you can do something about it. And I was like, what can I do? I'll do anything. And the voice was like, you need to stop eating. So I was like, stop eating what? And they were like, everything. And I was like, so you want to stop eating everything? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, and if I do that, I won't die? And they're like, correct. And I was like, okay. So I stopped eating, which for me was very hard, but I just was like, Uh, I'm going to die. (laughs) Yeah. So for three weeks, I didn't eat. If I was at all, at all, if I was like really on the verge, I like bit into a cucumber, but I was really like not eating. So you can imagine I had protein deficiency. Like I was starting to hallucinate. I was, I thought I was talking to God, like all kinds of dumb ass shit Mm -hmm. was happening, but also magical stuff. Like I was finding playing cards everywhere I went. All the playing cards had ships on the back of them. Like I was like, what, what? is going Like it was just, the world became very surreal, yeah. which it will if you don't eat. Yeah, and totally. So three weeks later, <laughs> different show. <laughs> right. And so three weeks after not eating, um, I looked down at my stomach. I'd lost like 10, 15 pounds, whatever you will do for three weeks of not eating. And I looked down and I saw that what had once been a little bit of a belly was like flat. And now there was this huge something in my what lower part of my belly. And I was like, what is this? And so my dad, who had been a medical doctor prior to being a sh- awakened shaman, I came to him and he was in the other room and I was like, what is this? And he's like, oh, well, you are either three months pregnant or you have a very big tumor. And he was like pretty certain it was a very big tumor. So he was like, I will call. And so like he had saved the life of this famous OBGYN and we had no medical, we had no health insurance. We had no life insurance. We had no money. We had nothing. So he was like, I saved his life. I'll call him. We'll see what happens. So he calls him up. He's like, my daughter, I think has like a huge tumor. Like, can we come over? And he was like, come over right now. So we drove to Long Island to this guy's hospital where he was like the head OBGYN. And he was like, okay, like we are going to input you into the hospital like now because you're you're about to hemorrhage and die. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They input me. He took me into the VIP ward 
of his hospital and like did all of this for free and was like, look, you will probably never have children. He's like, but tomorrow I'm going to take you in and I'm going to do a surgery and I will do whatever it takes to get this tumor out of your uterus and allow you to have children. He's like, but the chances of this are like literally slim to none. He's like, but I'm going to do what it takes. Oh my so I was like, goodness. okay. And, and, and then he said to me, by the way, he's like, if you had not come in when you came in, you would have hemorrhaged and died. He's like, also, if you hadn't hemorrhaged and died, which was unlikely, he was like, you would have hemorrhaged and then they would have hauled you off to a local hospital. You have no health insurance. They would have given you a hysterectomy and that would have been the end of that. Oh, because he's like, goodness. they don't care about you. They don't right. know you. Exactly. You're, you're, your father didn't save their lives. You know, he's like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do what it takes to fix this if I can. So we went into the surgery. He took a four hours and he carved this tumor out of my uterus. Oh my God. That's, that's crazy. I know. And then he said, so I woke up and he was like, you're fine. You can have kids. Go back to sleep. You know? And then he was like, if you don't have kids within two years, this tumor comes back. He's like, and if it comes back, I can't help you. Like, you're going to need a hysterectomy because it's really like, you're just too fragile. And he's like, but if you have a kid, you'll fix it. Like the kid will just really? magically, yeah, heal. Yeah, because it's called a fibroid tumor for anyone who's listening I who has that. I have one. Okay, but you don't have a seven pound one. So no, it's very common in that. I have a baseball sized one, which I've been told is medium. But to me, it sounds large. Which yeah. is why I'm water fasting. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. mine was a grapefruit sized one and it was certain, I don't think it was healable through any other means, but a surgery, but, but yeah. I so. mean, neither is mine, but I'm working with the powers nice. above for this. Good. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. So then he was like, you need to have a kid because the hit kids cure fibroid tumors. So then I was like, I'm not gonna have a kid in two years. I was 24. And then at 26 on the dot, like as if by clockwork, I got pregnant and then had my daughter. And then she died and now I have a perfectly healthy uterus as a result of her life. Speechless. Yeah. Wow. That is unreal. And you wouldn't have known about the tumor had you not been talking to the voice <laughs> yeah. who told you to stop eating right. without even giving you a reason necessarily. Correct. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's unreal. And then you got pregnant mm -hmm. two years later. I mean, you're definitely connected. So There's they no say. other way to yeah. say it. <laughs> I mean, wow. That's so interesting. So were you scared when you learned that you had this tumor that could hemorrhage and you could die? Was that scary to you? Of course. I mean, normal, right? Yeah. I was afraid. But you know, the beautiful thing about really bad news is that your upper half kicks in. So it's like people think that bad news is so bad. But I remember when I found that out, I was touched. Like It's like you go into this state where you can touch the other side so much more easily. This is why I think I chose to have such a difficult life because back then I didn't know how to touch the other side without that pain. My father died, I could touch it. My mother died, I could touch it. My friend hung himself, I could touch it. I was, every time I was at that fucking cemetery or in the funeral or crying, I was like, I'm with God, I'm with the divine. But now I want to live a life, I do live a life where I touch it because I fucking said so. I don't need to have anything happen. I don't need to be under any law of accident, which is another law, to live a life where I'm touching that other side. Wow. So 
yeah, that makes sense that once you study and know these laws that you would be able to release them kind of one by one from holding you back. Amen. Wow. That's so interesting. I mean, interesting isn't even the right word because it's beyond all of that. Um, So do you meditate daily? What does that practice look like for you? I do meditate daily. I meditate for half an hour a day, um, but that is not my main meditation practice, which I think some people would find ironic. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I meditate because it's awesome and I love it. But for me, meditation is every part of the day. So it's like anytime I'm stressed, anytime I'm afraid, I use that as an opportunity to go into my body and really be with myself and be with the divine, which I call God, but I'm not religious. And just to be with that. And uh, I use prayer and I meditate all through the day. I do breath work all through the day. So anytime I have a moment, I just stop everything I'm doing and I do breath work and keep flowing with the day, you know, because I need a lot of energy to give to all my students and to, and just to like be, you know, and just to trust, just trusting takes a fucking shit ton of energy, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it does. And what you do requires so much energy to hold space for people to heal and to find that light within them. Yes. So how do you protect your energy and kind of have some boundaries about um, just preserving your energy? I'm growing with that. I think that um, it's for me, I don't really believe it's like anyone can hurt me as much as I can fall into lower perceptions. So whenever I feel my perceptions lowering in the sense that I feel insecure, I feel doubtful, or I feel competitive or any lower feeling, I already know that like I've dropped some energy. I need to recoup and I need to also realign my perception. But nobody can steal your energy. I mean, it's like, it's not even like that. You know what I mean? Only you can allow something like that to happen by being afraid. You and Shaman Durek are cut from the same cloth (laughs) because that's exactly what he told me. Um, cause I was struggling so much with like feeling like my energy was being taken from me. And every time I opened my email, my phone, like everyone wants something from me. And he was like, that's impossible. Energy can't be taken from you. Yeah, your energy is yours and you're a giver. And if, if you are a giver, then you have infinite love to give. Amen. So what kind of negative, negative, spirit has attached itself to you to make you feel like your energy is being taken all the time. That was his outlook. And you basically said the same thing in different words. And it's so true. Mm. And just getting to that point of knowing like we are in control. No one's taking my energy from me. Mm. I mean, it makes me a much more tolerant person. Makes me like everyone a lot better. And so I try to really keep that in mind. It's definitely my own thing to work through. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've made great strides mostly because of what he said, because I think of it every time it pops up. Every time that victim Mm -hmm. voice comes in, what do they do? How can they? (gasps) 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 And then you're like, all right, pull it together. Nobody's a victim here. Where is this even coming from? It's it's nuts. Well, we're taught it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. so we'll head into the rapid fire questions okay, cool. that I ask everyone. So some of these we've surprisingly already talked about. Dream vacation. Ooh. 
Dream vacation. I think I just was on that, do, but I should do something new, right? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, where were you just now? I was in the Amalfi Coast. Oh, that's a dream vacation. Oh, times my a fiance. trillion. Oh, so my God. amazing. It was so amazing. When are you guys getting married? I don't know. <laughs> it's such a long story. You're probably story. really sick of, of people asking no, you that we question. Just, we had a wedding planned last year and there was a mudslide. It took down the canyon it was in and we had to cancel. So it was Oh, like, so things are being rearranged. Yeah, but then I got a book deal and I just like couldn't focus on re-fucking planning. Yeah. I planned a wedding. Yeah, and then it didn't. Happen. And then a hundred people from all over the world, like I had to cancel their flight. It was such a disaster. I yeah. was like, I can't. I just can't. Oh my god, so, I don't blame we'll you. So when the time is right, yeah. So dream vacation, new dream vacation. Um, I have a dream. I've really always wanted to see Australia. So yeah. maybe one dream vacation would be like Perth or something. Yeah, I want to go to Australia too. Yeah, I think I'm going this year. Which we'll see if that happens or not. But I think yes. it seems amazing. Who are some of your mentors? Mentors? What does that mean? Like um, teachers, people who inspire you. Mm. Doesn't have to be even remotely in your field. It could be an author that you love. Yeah, God, I don't. I mean, my father was my first mentor, yeah. um, and then I had several mentors through the years. And more, more recently, I feel like I don't have mentors. I have more. Uh, friends and equals. And in that regard, I have a man named Peter, Peter Evans, who's in my life, and he's really special. Cool. And there's also a woman named Sherry Brown, who I really... Ah! <laughs> I'm taking selfies, everybody listening. So I think also, and then also I have stuff. a life coach who's pretty fucking awesome. Ooh, yeah, and that's her name amazing. is Lauren Zander. And she's, but oh, again, she's, her. you know her, yeah. Um, her. <laughs> I have talked to her assistant or publicist and we were going to coordinate having her on the podcast. She's incredible. I'd be happy that, to connect you. But yeah. she, she's one of my dear friends. And I, to me, it's like, again, I just reached a point when I was dropped, like literally dropped in the most violent of ways. You know, like life was just like, no, no more teachers, no more mentors. Like you need to wake up the fucking, you need to do this yourself. And so since then, I've just collaborated with people. Like I was like, you witness me and we're good. If you can witness me. That's so cool. I like that a lot. Equals. That is what it is. Yeah. Chocolate or vanilla? Uh, <laughs> such a hard one. I mean, I guess neither at this point. You really? Know. Oh, because you point, don't eat sugar. I don't. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but Dark it, chocolate with no sugar? Nada. Just no. none of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is a first an answer to that question. I'm really glad <laughs> to have something different. Oh, cool. So interesting. Favorite crystal? Crystal. Something big. Mm. I love those, you know, the gem room at the Museum of Natural History. When you see those like gargantuan yeah, amethysts and stuff. huge ones. Yeah. Today, I walked by Rama, the Kundalini studio that must have just opened here. And I just really serendipitously walked in front of it. It was so weird. So I walked in and they have this huge amethyst there with like all these little like quartz popping out of it. It's so pretty. You do Kundalini? I do. Because there's a chick here who's really good. Her name's so, Hari. Have you heard of her? Uh, no, I don't think so. Where does she? She teach? has a studio further uptown in mid like in the late 20s or whatever but she's really special so Ooh. yeah well you'll have to tell me where and i'll go take yeah. the class because totally. i'm big into it and that would be awesome 
If you were a color, what color do you feel best represents your energy? Mm, that's a tough one too. Probably, I don't know, like a gold, some kind of gold. I could see that. Definitely. And do you have a favorite book or a few favorite books? Of course. I mean, you gotta, right? Yeah. Oh man. I guess like Steppenwolf by Herman Hess is one of my favorite books. Um, I really love that new age stuff. You know, it really got me going when I was a kid and I like had nothing. So I would definitely say like conversations with God Stuff like that really helped me when I was down and out. Amazing. Yay. Yeah. Well, that concludes our rapid yeah. fire. I'm so glad to ha- to have you here today. This Thank is you. so fun. I can't so wait fun. for your book to come out. Yay. We'll have you back on and we can talk Thanks. more about the laws and the planetary Enneagrams. Yes. And I'm definitely going to book some sessions with you because I want awesome. to learn all about everything all of this yay yeah i look forward to guiding you so tell everyone listening where they can find you well i have a website so it's bietsimkin.com and uh and then i also have a record which you're going to be using inside the show you guys will have heard it by now because it's going to be in the intro and listen all the way through the outro because we'll put it another song there too her music is next level Thank so you. soulful. And you can use it to meditate or you can mm-hmm. just listen to it to, you know, to remember who the fuck you are. And then also I'm really prolific on in Instagram. So if you really want to connect with me uh, at Guided by Biet is a really good way to do it because I'm like actually, I run my own social media. So amazing. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so thank much you for so being much. here. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Biat Simkin. She is such a valuable person in my life. She's taught me so much. She's so smart and kind and has overcome so much. And I just appreciate her friendship. I appreciate her authenticity and everything she shared with us on this episode. Thank you also to our sponsor, Silver Fern. You guys can use the code BLONDE at checkout to get a great deal on probiotics and digestive enzymes. And thank you to you for listening to this episode and maybe all of our best of the show episodes. This has been a really cool journey for me taking some time off of the podcast, which I truly never thought I would do or be able to do, but somehow I manifested it into existence and I'm really glad I did. So thank you for your support and just being awesome. If you want to connect, head to the Soul on Fire podcast tribe to connect with me and listeners from all over the world. You can also head to the High Vibe Chronic Lyme and Chronic Illness Facebook group to connect with others who are struggling with sickness. And also, you can rate and review this podcast if you feel inspired. Send me a screenshot to Jordan at thebalanceblonde.com and I will send you my blogging tips and tricks document as a gift. So thank you for being here and I will be back next week, I think, with something new. So let's see how that goes. And just, yeah, that's wow. Oh, I'm recording this so far ahead of time. It's just weird because I just don't know what's going to happen by the end of January, but we'll see. We will see. I love you guys. Thank you for supporting me 
and I hope you're having a soul on fire day. Talk soon.